Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Places Will Go Show with Mark and Richie, which is sponsored by the Marketing Skills Trust. Now, why is that particularly relevant today? Well, it's because we've got none other than the renowned Martin Troughton, who is, in fact, the chairman of the Marketing Skills Trust with us here today. Welcome, Martin. Good morning. How are you doing? Really well. Lovely to have you here, Martin. Now, I'm just going to tell our folks listening in a little bit about your career, and it certainly has been an illustrious one. You've traversed a lot, both client and agency side, as well as been a founder of none other than Harrison, Troughton and Wonderman, or HTW for short. Now, Martin has earned a stellar place across the marketing scene in the UK, having served as the marketing director for a number of renowned home improvement brands as well as being the founding partner in Wonderman. Now, Martin actually learned his marketing craft at Ogilvy and was also the head of direct marketing for BT. Now, today, Martin has taken quite a turn in his career and is currently in the chair position at the Marketing Skills Trust, which is an organization that truly has the marketing industry's best interests at heart. The trust literally and proudly funds many worthy causes to help level up our industry and make it more equitable, fair, and diverse. One, all of those things that we can absolutely all benefit from. So really looking forward to hearing a bit more about the Marketing Skills Trust as well in this conversation. So Martin, it's an absolute genuine pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. No, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I, I would absolutely reinforce what Richie has said. And there's a huge alignment, obviously, between Marketing Skills Trust and School of Marketing in this show. So fabulous, fabulous to have you on. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to get us, get us started with, uh, I, I can't believe it's February. Uh, it, it, where did January go? I mean, speeding clock and all that, but 2024 seems to have started with like a rocket. So how's, how's it been for you so far? Yeah, it's been great. I'm uh, working with a few companies. We've had a great, uh, great board meeting at Marketing Skills Trust. So all sorts of different things. And I managed a little trip over to Italy as well. So yeah, it's kind of, because it was cold here. There was times it was freezing, wasn't it? But it's been good. It's been very good. I'm just going to quick follow up. Like we did talk in the green room about Italy. So let's just get that out of there. Just t tell us a little bit about your relationship with Italy. Oh, I've always loved Italy. Always loved Italy. And uh, my wife and I have been traveling there. Oh, so, well, we've been married over 30 years. So we've been traveling there since before that. And uh yeah, now I'm lucky enough to uh, spend a lot of time out there, uh, mostly in Tuscany around uh, Florence area. So love it. I spent three months. And now, you know, post-COVID, you know, where I am, I could be in Italy now. We could be doing this in Italy. We could be doing yeah, it. It doesn't matter. You know, Zoom has uh, opened so many doors for us. So I do quite a bit of work out there as well as uh, just enjoying the culture and uh, the environment. Yeah, fantastic. Um well, Martin, you did allude to the fact that you had a great board meeting this month. And um, I mean, the Marketing Skills Trust is a, is a wonderful organization. So perhaps tell us a little bit about some of the key themes that, that came from some of those discussions and what is sort of top of mind to the Marketing Skills Trust at the moment. Well, obviously supporting your good selves. Um, but the, the Marketing Skills Trust has been going for quite a while now. It's uh, It was set up as a, a legacy fund for Derek Calder. Um, who was the founder of the Institute of Direct Marketing. Wonderful guy who had education at his heart for the industry. Um, when he passed away, a sizable amount of money was put into a fund 
it, to invest in the future education of the industry. Um, and in particular, bringing more diverse and interesting talent into the industry and helping upskill the industry. So we do all sorts of things from grant giving at, uh, at universities to helping fund the development of courses at university to helping make sure you know, your, your great activity continues. We work with the, uh, the DMA, so we, we, we match fund. Um, and so anybody sponsoring the DMA to do something like uh, a creative data courses are coming up, we match fund that. So rather than do one or two of them, they can do two, four of them or something like that. So we, we do that. When COVID came along, we, uh, we, we made a huge investment in the DMA to make sure that they could upskill people who've been furloughed and run training courses for all of that. Um, we've got hundreds of people through that to bring them into the marketing industry. So all sorts of different things. Um, it's, it, it, it's, I suppose it, it's giving something back a little bit. So there's a great board of people, um, all of which are very genuine. None of us are paid. We're all doing it to try and put something back a little bit. And it's to bring, make a more inclusive um, and skilled talent pool for the future. I mean, honestly, what you do is so important because the, obviously the thing about marketing is it's a bit tricky to get into for many and it doesn't have a you know, archetypal professional structure like accountancy or, or law, for example. And so there is no playbook. And so I think people get a little bit lost. I mean, how, how do you perceive the skills gap in the industry more broadly? Well, there, there is, even if you enter the industry, that continuous learning is not deeply ingrained enough that, you know, it changes so much as an industry. And also, marketing is such a broad team. You know, one of the things we're doing at the moment is we're going to add some content to our own website, which kind of guides people by, well, what is marketing? What are the various roles? What might you be suited towards? I mean, I, I stumbled into marketing. Uh, I kind of did it at university as, as a module in a business, uh, in a business degree. Um, and I kind of I liked it. I got into it. I love that that balance between the art and the science. I know it's a cliche, but I see that balance between numbers and pictures, and and always loved that. But I, I really got into it, I suppose, because a careers officer at the university when I was floundering with what shall I do, the careers officer, yeah, you know, just parked me in front of a computer and said, just answer that, just yes, no, this or this, and it just it it kind of. Um, was a whole set of questions. And it was things, do you prefer pictures or numbers? Do you like this? Do you like this? What do you like? Do you like to go to a gallery? Would you rather read a book? Would you? It was a really random set of questions. And at the end of it, yeah, seriously, it said, you would make a great direct marketer. And it's like, what? I don't even know what direct marketing is. I know what marketing is, but direct marketing, what's that? And then it gave me a sentence underneath telling me why I'd be good at it. And it was said, because, because you seem to, have a passion for both numbers and pictures. And it was, it was like, okay, I kind of do, it's fine. But, but it gave me this statement, which I basically parroted at every interview for the next, you know, two or three <laughs> interviews. And one of them hit, one of the, I got a, uh, there was, there was an agency called Clark Hooper. I went to that one. There was, um, and I, I was lucky enough to get on the o O&M Direct. So it's not the Ogilvy advertising, the O&M Direct graduate training program. And it, I've never looked back with it. It was fabulous. No, I, fabulous. I, 
I think we all share that sentiment, right? Just love for this industry. And, and it, it really, what you've just described there, in, in Drayton's words, it just epitomizes us, right? It's a, I think in some respects, we, we balance out um, a slightly chaotic industry with a sense of structure too. And of course, direct marketing is probably the more structured end of, of the advertising spectrum, shall we say. Um, so are you, are you a structure kind of guy or do you like a bit more sort of chaos go with the flow? It's a great question. You know, I probably do like a bit more structure. Yeah, I do. I do like the, I mean, the, the creative leap I adore, but I like it to come within the straight jacket of a tight brief. Yeah. And, you know, you can call it straight jacket, you can call it life jacket, I don't care. But if you don't know what you're trying to achieve in that brief, you've not got a clear, you know, clear direction. And some of the tightest briefs, you know, from, from, uh, the smallest opportunities, the greatest work has come in my career, definitely. And and they look the smallest opportunities. I remember doing, yeah, I've got stuff littered around the office, I'll show you. But it is, just, you know, some of those small, small opportunities, wow, the creativity. So on the Friday of my first week, yeah, last year's graduates took out this year's graduates. So, yeah, I've known Rory since the first working week of my career. You know, it it was amazing. It was an amazing hotbed of great talent. I, I can't oh, obviously Rory's been on the show. I can't imagine Rory as a graduate trainee. For me, he's also every oh, oh, night. You, you yeah. asked me about chaos. Oh my god. Because <laughs> uh, at that stage he was an account handler. Terrible. Oh, he was an account guy, no way. He was an account I'll tell you like he probably didn't tell you, but he was an account handler. Who was terrible because Ogilvy was very structured and Rory is just so articulate. But he was in, you know, he's a graduate trainee. You're in the meeting to set the meeting up. Yeah. Rory would take over the meetings with clients. And there was one occasion where the clients were, you know, it was, it was like, uh, he was going off on an angle and it was, and I'm sure it was amazing, but he was going off on an angle and his account director was trying to pull him back. And, Rory, T, T, as a, Pull the tea, and he's anyway. Uh, two sugars, please, and just going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd say he's he he didn't change much through the years. Then to be fair, so, uh, well, he became a planner for a little while. Yeah, that, he was terrible at that, and then he got fired at O M Direct because it was like, what do we do with this? And the creative department rebelled and said, he can't fire him. No, no, he's a talent. We love him. You can't fire him, and that's when he became a copywriter. This is a revelation. This is like a moment where Philip Kotler told us that it wasn't going to be the peas uh, until really? like, Rory, Rory he was an account guy and then a planner. Anyway, you've held very senior marketing leadership positions. T tell me about what's the balance for you in terms of as a leader being liked versus respected? I've always been quite outspoken. So I've always been, you know, it's better to get it out and say what it is. It is just work. There's never any malice in it. It's always about being straight talking and saying what what you believe. Um, I mean, I was fortunate to be in that unloved niche of direct marketing. Yeah, so direct marketing, at that stage, you know, technology had not really taken off at that stage, you know. So direct marketing was, was some of the hard, hard miles um, and our advertising lobbies, bless them, were living in a more exalted environment. So, for example, when I was at BT, 
I accelerated so quickly um, because I was doing the stuff that no one else wanted to do. I was in an environment where they're um, a packed full of talent, packed, packed full of talent, but they were all interested in the big that. And then we ran a big pitch. Um, AMV won it, Abbott Mead, um, David Abbott, in a solo pitch of genius proportion. And um, he came up with the It's Good to Talk campaign with Bob Hoskins. So he presented that. But of course, beneath that, they needed someone to do the direct marketing for it. But, but I stepped. And uh, and I loved it. So I did I, I all of that amazing umbrella branding. I was delivering it on a one-to-one basis underneath. And, you know, so we they did the It's Good to Talk. Um, I ran a program underneath It's Good to Talk, but now we'd like to listen. And it was all about reciprocated confidences, which was at the heart of that brand. So we reciprocated confidences. I tell you a little bit, you tell me a little bit. We move on, and that's how our relationship grows. So I did lots of that work. Um, and, yeah, it, it was just packed full of talent. So I was doing the the hard stuff as far as I'm concerned, so they respected me. But I loved it. You know, I was working with supreme talent. Martin, I love it. So I, I, I like that one, loved niche. Sorry. Well, look, I, like, I was going to pick up on that, actually, interestingly. And you talked about it. Nice, nice turn of phrase, the unloved niche, as it were. Um, but you also said doing the stuff that nobody else wanted to do. And I think that's quite interesting from a career perspective because you were able to elevate yourself beyond perhaps your peers as a consequence of putting yourself in that area. And I wonder if there's a bit of career advice in here, in that, is it the case of picking up things that perhaps maybe sit on other people's, say, unpassion points or, I don't know, two hard boxes, whatever you might want to call it and turn the phrase. But what would you say is the advice that you've learned as a consequence of doing stuff that nobody else wanted to do? Yeah, no, the, the, the hard miles. Do go volunteer for the hard miles. Do that work. It is you know, it, it's the way to success. If you make people's life easier around you, you do the things and you do them with diligence. You know, don't don't just don't see them as drudgery. Everything is an opportunity to shine, and that opportunity. Um, I yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I love databases. I love yeah. The, the, well, what if we do that about people? Couldn't we do this? Couldn't we do yeah? You know, and just those leaps, and just very passionate about. It. And it's so much easier now. So much easier. I mean, those days, we were sending out a questionnaire. Hopefully, they'd send it back with some tick boxes. We thought it was high-tech, where it would be a scanner reading that and loading it into a database. I mean, for God's sake, what we can do now with CRM, all of the systems that we've got to reciprocate that confidence. If they tell you this, we can tell you that. I, I ran a program for uh, Safeway when I was at Bates Dorland. I was the MD at Bates Dorland, the, um, Bates Communications. And Safeway was our client. Their biggest problem was they were getting too good at changing their um, stores. They were advancing so quickly. They kept reformatting and bigger fresh food departments, a fish department of this. But that meant people were getting lost in the shop all the time. Because you know what it's like. You go to a supermarket, you know where everything is. Well, they kept moving it around. They were driving everyone mad. And they were losing their customers because they were getting better. So what we did, we sent a program almost inviting people to tell us how it could be improved. 
and then we would be doing it. Now, we knew what we were going to be doing. We were really doing things they wanted. You know, would you like old stinky fish or do you want a fresh fish? Do you want a bigger fresh food department? Well, who doesn't? You know, all of these things. But we were asking them. And then we would put up the big posters of the survey for that store and why we now need to change it for you. Yeah, we're changing it for you. Not, you know, it, it's not being changed and annoying you. You've asked for this and we're delivering it for you. Now, with technology, we can just speed this whole process of you've talked and we've listened. And it works so, so well. Well, this is really the full circle for me, which is you know, the unloved niche to really now, with the advancement of technology, I mean, kind of performance marketing is top of the tree. Yeah. And and it's actually, you know, from the, you know, the, the, the lovier brand side, is sort of now trying to fire rearguard action to get more prominent. So it's done a big 180. What What's your perspective on that meta dynamic between performance marketing and brand marketing? Well, I, I, I still think the big idea is the big idea and needs to be, and you need that umbrella. You know, I, I wouldn't have developed the work of um, at BT without the it's good, it's good to talk environment and vision. I mean, that was, the, the, even the, do you remember the logo, the Piper? Do you remember the BT logo being a piper? Mm. It was there for a little while. Anyway. Somewhere in the store memory structures, yes. And, that, and it was basically a piper communicating and the, the other hand was listening. And it was that you've talked, we've listened. That whole reciprocated confidence exchange, that worked. That was its umbrella. Like you said, right, often insights get lost in the organization as we swirl them around, around our departments and our processes and often bureaucracy that comes along with it. But I want to turn the page um, once again to your role when it comes to trying to create a more equitable and diverse industry. I think it's incredibly important, not just for the individuals who may benefit, but for our industry at large. And perhaps wonder why you do it. What's the intrinsic motivation that has that has stemmed that that's kind of piqued your passion in this area um there's a simple answer i was asked to um and i, and I thought it was a great idea now I, rem I remember derek and um i was fortunate enough to be you know around when he was at his pulp and doing amazing work and he was an inspiring character he probably helped my career in its early days i know he helped lots and lots of people um, I want his legacy to continue. Um, it, and I, I just think it's important. I mean, Steve and I, as an agency, HTW, one of the things we prided ourselves on, that it was a learning culture. That it, yeah. So, for example, any book, if you, went, you know, if you bought a book, expenses. Because you were enriching your mind. So everybody was encouraged. And it was almost embarrassing if you didn't buy a book. Are you not, yeah, you're not interested in learning? And that cultural will take away the barrier. You know, if it's money, there's a problem. No. Expensable item books, no problem. And tell people about it. So it became that upward spiral enriching people, you know. And, and I think that work-life balance, I mean, again, we were probably a little bit ahead of our time. We paid people double when they went on low holidays. So if you went for a week, no problem. You can go off a week holiday or a couple of days. That's fine. You go for a long holiday, we'll pay you double so that you can go further, experience more. 
refresh yourself more and come back. So we paid that double so that they could go on long holidays. Now there's a commercial aspect to that as well, because if you if you run an agency, you know that if someone goes away for a week and you take over their work, you don't really need to do anything. Just tell them you'll be back on Monday. That's the only phrase you need. But if you go away for two weeks, you better understand what's going on. And the handover's more thorough. The work continues while the person's away. Commercially, it works for us as a business. And it works for the individual. So there was both a cultural, you know, and I'll tell you what, whenever you interviewed someone, um, the only thing they ever remember you said was, we pay you double when you go on a holiday. And they went, what? <laughs> but so it helped us attract the talent. It was true to the DNA of the business. And it was commercially sensible because we did a better job for our clients. Love it. Now, Richie and I have also both been in a world where you had to take two-week holidays. This was at HSBC and it was because if a if a bank manager was doing some running some fraud, it meant that they had a better chance of revealing that. Okay. And so therefore everybody had to take two weeks. There was a terminology for it, which you remind me at the moment. But anyway, I mean, what a genius idea. I mean, I feel like I've missed out in my career not getting paid double for going on holidays. I mean, like Yeah. You've been robbed. What a, what an employer value proposition. Um but but lifelong learning, enriching people, I mean it's the thread that runs through everything that you're doing. I'm interested what are you still learning what have you still yet to learn oh well just the pace of change the pace of change if you if you decide you're not going to learn yeah yeah i mean you, you're just in trouble i i remember look i'm full of anecdotes aren't i but anyway when we started our agency in 1998 it's not long ago is it 25 years we had our 25th anniversary 25 years ago we, we had three partners steve harrison tim patton and myself you know, we sat around, we were backed by Rainey Kelly, the advertising agency. We sat around and, and said, what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to get up? And, and Tim went, well, we better set up our website and our email address. And, and Steve and I looked at each other and went, why? What, what do we need that for? We said, I've had an email address for years and I've only ever had a few internal ones on it. There's only three of us. We can talk to each other. We don't need that. And Tim's like, no, 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 this is going to be big. We need this. We need this. Imagine, imagine that conversation now. And it's not long ago. The pace of change. If I look at what we can do with CRM and integrations into mail engines and, oh, my God. And I'm learning every day on this stuff. So you've got to keep up. You've got to keep listening to things, you know, listening to your work, you know, tuning into seminars. Just listen to people who know more than you, because there's always a, there's a lot of them around. There's always a lot of them about. It's it's wonderful that you say that. And actually, one of the the things that you know, me and Mark have been doing this now for coming up to three years or so. And um, it's wonderful to be able to hear people's insights, you know, week in week out. And it's it literally is as much of a, a learning curve for us as it is for for everybody else. Hopefully, listening in as well. Um, can I can I talk about a little bit of a bugbear that I have in this industry? And I wanted oh. want to get your take on this. And it's it's actually originating from um, the Advertising Association's um, annual report. I think it's called Level Up, um, and it talks to how certain fractions of our society do better than others in the marketing industry. You know. Um, and of course, we know there are both diversity gaps, uh, gender gaps, uh, socioeconomic gaps 
as well. And so my yin and yang in our industry is such that all of us feel like we need to do a better job of getting better representation into our industry. And yet something that you alluded to was when they're here, often they get disillusioned. And it's a consequence of maybe not finding a cultural fit with organizations or indeed not being able to get up the ladder as quick as others um, or, of course, even uh, in and around benefits and pay. And so my yin and yang is, on the one hand, we're trying to do a better job of getting more diverse and equitable um, elements into our industry. And yet there seems to be such a divide still carrying on. And so I kind of almost feel bad for trying to get people in when we when you know the stats show that they may not be as happy as others when they're here. And I'd love to get your take on that, Martin. How do you see the world in this respect? And how do you see us being able to change the industry for the better? Well, I mean, it's irrefutable what you're saying, that there are issues and those stereotypes pervade. Um, but there are exceptions to everyone with them as well. And yeah, I think we've got to give people a chance. We've got to open up their eyes to the opportunities within the industry because it's an amazing industry, you know, from digital planning to you know, uh, classical planning, you know, go and, go and work in, at the, you know, learn at the feet of Andy Nairn and Lucky Generals. I mean, how how fortunate would you be? But it, it, the, the, the wonderful thing I've always found about the industry, though, is the meritocracy that it is. If you shine, you excel. You know, and, and back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, don't turn your nose up at, you know, the, the small tasks, the little things, you know, and don't get too big for your boots as well. You know, that's, that's always, I remember being a graduate trainee again at Ogilvy and I was clearly getting too big for my boots. You know, I was, I was just, I'm, I'm, I'm amazing. It's great. Look, all these things I've learned. And um, I remember that David Watson, who was the Watson out of Craig Jones, Mitchell Watson. He, uh, he he tapped me on the shoulder in the morning and said, Martin, need your help. Can you uh, come and see me about one o'clock? It's like, yeah, David, of course you need my help. I'll be there. No problem. And I'm thinking, what pitch does he need? Some, you know, some, need some insight on something. Robert. So I went to see him and, you know, on time, one o'clock, on the dot. And uh, he said, oh, great, Martin, thank you. Um, and he gave me his dry cleaning ticket and asked me to go and collect his... Uh, He's dry cleaning but and it's like it's like oh, okay but even that you gotta do with a spring in your step go and get he's the boss you know and, and he was just bringing me back down to reality so take every opportunity that comes your way whether it's collecting the dry cleaning or giving the insight on the pitch you know whatever it is do it but this industry is a meritocracy the talent definitely rises there's constraints but Shrug with the model, you know, and but point out the inequity as well. When it's wrong, it's wrong. I mean, the the debate that was on that campaign headline this week about you know amazing account men. I mean, come on, we're beyond that. We've moved on. This is just nonsense. And I think it was rightly called out. And you've got to call out the inequity. But it is an amazing industry, and it does value talent more than most places. I mean, I, I, I was head of direct marketing four years out of university at BT. You know, I, I had a £60 million budget. I had a serious case of imposter syndrome, by the way, but, you know, it, it, it got me there. 
and then you t- and, and sometimes you do need to step back. If you're in the wrong environment, take a step back, take a step aside, get out of that poisonous environment, but keep focused and keep belief in your own time. I love that. It is meritocracy. More more work to be done for sure. And um, I mean, careers are roller coasters though, and ups and downs, ins and outs. And many people listening in will be at crossroads moments and not maybe not particularly happy. I mean, let's let's see what some of the learnings you've had from the things that didn't go perfectly. I mean, there's there's lots of things. I'm I'm much more zen than I used to be. Uh, you know, I, I was much more reactive, and and that was that was a mistake. You don't need to react to every situation. Just internalize it a bit and let it go a little bit. You know, don't ruin tomorrow because of what happened today. Let it go a little bit, you know, and, and that's that's good. Yeah, because and also try and understand what what were the, what was what was going on that's made you unhappy. What have they what they've done because you chose to be unhappy. Nobody makes you unhappy. You chose to react with unhappiness. And once you start to learn and detach what's going on and your emotion to it, you're kind of gonna. You're going to be a better person and a lot more sanguine, because um, you you decide. You know, you, you you decide whether you're happy or sad, whether you're a winner or a loser, whether you're moving on. It's your decision. You know, what other people's opinions, you know, they come and go, don't they? It's not it's not a worry. And and my career has been, you know, yeah. When I was head of direct marketing, I definitely felt I was out of my depth. Um, and I was, and I went back to Ogilvy, and I did some more hard miles, so I had some depth to it, because I needed more depth in my career in order to to survive. So, yeah, do, do that, and and then always, always, always choose to work with the best. Don't don't accept mediocrity. You know, demand of yourself and those around you to be their best, and just choose to work with the best. I worked with Steve Harrison; he's the best. He was the best. You know. I look back and think I was fortunate to work with that man. And I look back across my career at people I've worked with. And, you know, I, I've been very, very fortunate, whether it was Rory in its early days or, you know, uh, even, even my last boss. My last boss was, um, you know, a guy called Mike Gallagher. He was the chief exec. I was his marketing director. What a guy, you know. He was, you know, really principal. He was ex-army, Santos. Bomb disposal, SAS. It's like, oh, well, I'm not messing with you, am I? What do you want me to do? I'm doing it straight away. But um, but no, he, the guy was just, he he taught me that detachment a lot more. Really, really honed in on that. Um, so slow your response down, you know, grow a bit of a thicker skin and keep your focus. Oh, How many so cliches did I do that? Well, I tell you what, slow your response down. I think that is such great advice, and and often we only learn that sort of years years later and later from from our frantic selves as we were probably on graduate schemes moons ago. But you also said you know don't ruin tomorrow because of what happened today, and and have a level of detachment. Gosh, I can't imagine it gets much more detached when you're in the bomb disposal unit or some sort, yeah. and you need to be a little bit more detached from what you're doing, right? Yeah. Um. Martin, you've that, did, that did make him a bit of a problem to work with because he was very binary. Everything right. everything was the red wire or the which one are we going to wow. cut? Wow. Like, he, yeah. he, he was brilliant with data, terrible with a creative leap. Terrible because he didn't get that bit. 
how do you know it's going to work? Hey, <laughs> 30 years of experience. I don't know. What can I tell you? You know, you, you, you talked about the different wires. It, it almost reminds me of the red and blue pulp on the matrix. Um, but you know, um, Martin, you've named some wonderful people that you've come across, worked with throughout your career. And I just wonder, you know, we talk about technical skills and of course, Marketing Skills Trust is doing a lot in that ability, even demystifying what careers could be and different roles. But what would you say is your take on the role of networking and how important has it been throughout your career and maybe some advice on on great networking for people coming through? Great question. Um, yeah, I, I, I've I've tried to never burn bridges. You don't need to burn bridges. It, it's, it's far too easy to to kind of burn bridges behind you. Don't, and stay in touch. Value the people that, you know, that you've worked with, that you learned from. But even if they were bad, you probably learned something. You know, you don't need burn any bridges for your career. Just keep going and stay in touch. It's never been easier. I mean, LinkedIn's genius. It's beautiful. Um, I remember for my 50th birthday, I love wine, by the way. I'm a big wine fan. Italy again. But I created a bottle of wine, um, a, a, a barrel, for my 50th birthday. And I, I went through an exercise, which was I'm 50. Who were the 50 most important and influential people in my life? And I, I just wrote a list of everybody through my career and went through it. And, and a bit and family, of course, as well, all the way through it. And then on the label of that bottle of wine, I put all the initials in the, the concentric circles of a, you know, a tree, and it, and then it had a huge party. Invited them all, and said thank you. You know, stay in touch, appreciate those that have helped you along your way, um, and you know they'll be there for you. You know that, you know, and sometimes you kind of go, well, they only ever ring me when they need something, but you know, just stay in touch with people on your way through your career. But not only when you need them, be there for them as well. Gladly. Yeah, great advice. Um, it's good to talk. Uh, anyway, so mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Martin, I mean, it's gone by in a flash. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end. So perhaps the last question. I mean, this this you, this has been peppered with advice, but um, may, maybe what's the thing that you've not said so far in terms of that pearl of wisdom, that key piece of advice that will help people on their way in the spirit of everything that the Marketing Skills Trust is trying to achieve? Well, well, I think it is about relationships. It's about people. You know, if, if, even if you go back to the question that Richie was talking about, you know, about it being a meritocracy, you know, it's not about agenda or ethnicity. It's, it, you know, it's about the, the soul of the person and their desire to achieve and to, you know, you can find that everywhere and look for it. Look or the best hang on to it work with it work with the best you can and forget anything else that's surrounding that fabulous well it's been wonderful to have you on the show i'm going to put a little bit of a bow on top for everybody just in terms of some of the key learnings um it's quite condensed or quite dense for me to do so but i'll do my best so we... be dense then mark <laughs> condensed sorry my <laughs> we, we try not to edit anything out we'll probably leave that in my faux pas um we, we talked to a little sojourn around Italy, but then got into the meat of it, the Marketing Skills Trust, um, filling the skills gap, encouraging continuous development, providing guidance, much needed uh, in our industry. Uh, I'm going to just pull out one thing. You said that you're, you fell into marketing, it felt a bit random. 
I mean, I mean that that's the most sort of linear trajectory in that your careers advisory process would say you are a direct marketer and you became one. That seemed like almost sort of chat GPT-esque. Anyway, hmm. uh, we talked about the straitjacket of a tight brief, freedom within a framework, stru- structure versus chaos, a little dip into uh, an insight into Rory, um, m- more in the chaos on the structure side. But anyway, but the, the straitjacket of a, of a tight brief. The distinction between um, being liked and respected, which took us into this area of, of an unloved niche, and sometimes there's great merit in doing the hard miles. Um, but in the end, brand versus performance marketing—it's—it's it's the big idea. It's back to bothism. Both uh, feed off of each other, and that, I think it was good to be reminded of that. Um, we we heard about being paid double for holidays. I'm not going to dwell on that too much because it just like annoys me that I've missed out on that in my career. Um, but we heard about you still learning. Um, keeping up with the pace of change, learning every day. Um, that really does shine through. Love that. Um, we talked about inclusion uh, and not being too big for your boots, um, picking up dry cleaning. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a thing, isn't it? We all have to stay grounded and that will come back in, my, in a nutshell at the end. Um, and uh, we talked a bit about mistakes and letting it go. And I, you reminded me of a, of a framework that I came across years ago that says that between every stimulus... An action is a choice. It is undeniable and inescapable. Talked a bit about networking and relationships and so on. So my my in a nutshell for you, Mark, it's been great talking to you this morning. It's good to talk. Um, is I was you know, I tried to do a little bit of alliteration, and I, and I, to you to me you come across as as being happy. I think you're very content in what you've achieved. Very holistic. I mean that is kind of the point of marketing skills trust, helping people, helping the industry. And also humble. I was going to say wholehearted, but that was W. So it kind of works phonetically, but not. But you get the point. I think it's been a real pleasure talking to you this morning, Martin. And you've got a good heart and doing good things in the industry. And many people are benefiting from that. So thank you on behalf of our listeners for today. Thank you. I much appreciate it. I enjoyed talking. Been good.